And uh, that's called the first fruit offering. And you can go online to, to our YouTube channel and find all the teaching you need on it to be clear about it, why we do it. I mean, I'm sure we can have people come and give testimony about what the benefits are. The Bible says that God will put the, an angel before you and, and put you in the way. And so I don't want to get into really all of that. We'll probably maybe, we, I might teach on it, but I hope that we're at a place that the reason we give, and what the first fruit is offering is, it's the first paycheck of the sacred year that we offer to God. And, uh, you know, we have some people that it's no problem to because they've been doing it so many years. There's some people, like we all, when we first started doing this, how many of you know it took faith to do it? Well, it takes faith to please God. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, of uh, maturing to the place because we're doing it out of obedience and our love for God, not just because we're going to get a return on it. But I guarantee you the return has been tremendous. I can probably say that for me personally, the most single important thing that I've ever done that way would be begin to, to honor God with the first. It's, it's somebody that wants to know with the math on it. It's basically this. 52 weeks, take your first paycheck. Divide your pay by 52 weeks, and that's it. We come and we offer that to God. You know, we used to do it on that particular Sunday and uh, when we did it at the first of the civil year, I really feel like Yahweh said, you know, there's only seven months in the sacred year. And, and so we are to do it on that, on God's calendar. So we, we did it. And it was such a, uh, a, a wonderful time and a wonderful blessing. And because of the Feast of Israel, we have 50 days. Penta means cost. Penta means 50. So from Passover to Pentecost, we have that time frame in which to give that first fruit offering. It's my belief and my counsel to us, just like our tithe, that should be taken out before Uncle Sam even gets it because God wants to be first. Years ago, Bevy and I, what we did, we went ahead and paid before. We paid before Uncle Sam got it. So we, we went ahead a paycheck early and made that sure so uh, we wouldn't forget that because it's important to make God first. So I appreciate it. It's been a wonderful time. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we can have testimonies, like I said, of people of all the great things. But I got to tell you, you better be serious if you're going to do it. Some people think you got to be serious because it's such a, a big expense. Well, I, I don't think it's a financial burden or expense at all. I mean, we spend that kind of money on, on things that perish. But you better be serious because what God's going to do is he's going to put that angel before you, and he's going to destroy all your enemies. And it was my experience that the first enemy he turned to was me, and it changed my whole life, and I regret none of it. So uh, that'll be this, I believe it's April the 9th, we pass over, uh, you know, we'll be here and we'll be celebrating that time, and then 50 days after that. If you want to know more, like you say, you can ask me, ask other people, and you can go on the website where I have in-depth teaching on that. So this morning, are y'all ready for the word today? What a powerful word we've been getting from Yahweh, man. And now I'm on this thing about the Trinity, you know. And I, if you want to, what you should, you should, be, you should Facebook friend me if you haven't already. And you'll get a lot of daily bread, so to speak. That daily manna where I, I will, uh, you know, I talk about things on there that, that proved, you know, the belief system of the true gospel. 
And uh, I think it's encouraging and strengthening for us to know because it's knowing that truth that liberates us and helps us uh, get our well done. So that'd be something to do. But we also have a prophetic word that's been in the house about the way of Cain and, and that, that this whole, I don't know, Joel, how many, two months at least, maybe this year. I mean, that it's been on that specific word where Yahweh is really talking about the angels are here and they are dividing the, sh- the tares from the wheat and that we learned that there would be two in the bed, two at the mill, two walking, and that one would be left behind and one would be taken. And all my life, they told me that the one taken would be the one that would be raptured out of here. So I found out there's nothing in the Bible that talks about that. And so, so we had to readjust our belief systems. And so that the one that left behind were the bad ones. Well, the Bible says that he's going to remove the tares from the wheat. The wheat are going to be left and the tares are going to be removed tied up and cast into the fire and so which means they're going to be destroyed it's basically a a metaphor of death so we man god's speaking to us he's 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 warning us that we're at the end of the age end of the gentile age and there's chaos i mean how more chaotic can it be than a man look in the mirror and think he's not a man that's chaotic a lot of times I think we thought chaos was we thought we we're going to be riding in the streets and wars and all that. And we do have those. But how many of you know that if there is a war in Ukraine, I don't know about it because they don't even show it on the news anymore. Anybody heard about it lately? I don't know. So this, you know, this is something that Yahweh, out of his mercy and grace, is warning us and giving us these hints and these, the inside knowledge and inside tips on, hey, no, we're coming, we're at the end of this age, and this is what you need to do. And so we've had that word, it's been a beautiful word, you know, and I, I honestly, I told Joel, and I'll tell you again, you know, that word, Joel takes the word on Sunday, and then he talks about it on Wednesday. And I come here, and I realize, like, man, that, that, that is a good word. Man, I leave here inspired and strengthened by that word that has, has come to us. So this morning, I want to share with you briefly, and I'll tell you, I'm learning that I don't know if it's just my old age, or I just don't know what the word briefly means. I thought I had a brief word last week, and I got halfway through it, and, and uh, it was an hour and 19 minutes. Now, y'all probably said that is brief for me. And so, but today, you know, I, ha- I have pages on my Mac here, on my iPad, and on my laptop, and pages when you scroll down, there's a dash on the side. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And when you scroll, that dash will come down as you scroll up, and it goes up like this, or maybe it goes this way. The bigger that dash is on my notes, the shorter the message. Well, let me see what size the dash is today. Uh-huh. Doing that reminds me of our dear, precious Ecclesian, fellow Ecclesian, Deborah Davis. Because Deborah can't see good, you know. She has... She has large fonts, she has glasses, and she has a magnifying glass. And I'm about to join her, but she just had quadruple bypass surgery, and uh, she's doing pretty good. So continue to pray for her. I mean, so that reminded me of Deborah. If, if she's watching today, Deborah, I, I can't see that little dash there. But it looked kind of big to me today. So I want to begin this, me- this morning with something that I believe Yahweh put in my heart this week for us. And I'm not going to teach today, 
I don't feel the pressure to have to prove from the Bible because I found this out. I found out that people, you can show them every scripture in the book that says, I can put on there, it says something like, you know, uh, Jesus is not his name. They still ain't going to believe it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I said, look, Yahshua is not a Trinitarian. He don't even believe he's co-equal with God. And guess what? People don't care. I can give them all the scripture in the world. Some lady got on there and started telling me, talking to me about the chromosomes of Christ. My God, you're talking about the chromosomes. What about these 10 scriptures that says that God is greater than him? And he, yo, I don't, am I on a tangent? Anybody got any glue? This is a word, I, I, I believe it's an exhortation, not a line upon line teaching that I have felt pressure in my own me to make sure I do that because I have to prove what everybody else thinks is wrong. I have to prove what I believe. They don't. They can just make up stuff. I had, I had a guy talk to me today. I said, look, can you show me one place in the Bible that, that says Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together? And I warned him. I warned these people, please, please now, don't use 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Don't do that. I'm telling you because that wasn't put there until the 15th century, not in any Greek manuscripts ever. Every, even any Bible, novice Bible student knows that. That wasn't there. It was put there by the Roman church to try to make it fit their doctrine they tried to shove down our throat and did. And I promise you the first answer he gave to me to prove the Trinity was 1 John 5, 7 and 8. And I, I looked for a Greek word. The only one I could find to describe me was, you idiot. Idiosis singmosis. I just made that up. So today, I just have an exhortation for us. I believe it's a, a word from Yahweh to us that he drops in my heart. Every week, he has that word that I just wait on. And there it comes. And boom, I have the opportunity by his mercy and grace and spirit and his word to develop that word so I can speak it you and do my part of what the body my part in the body is but i want to open up with a, something i read last week about this just this thought for me and i believe <laughs> doug's watching and he said you have to put the clip forward he's he's a, he's adjusting my <laughs> thank you doug just a thought here my worst moments as a follower of christ have been better than my best moments living in the world when i was in the world even the good somehow always turn bad but now because of god's grace and favor the bad somehow always turns out to be good because all things work out together for the good of them that love the lord number one you got to love him if you love him the bible says if you love me keep my commandments and that love him and are called according to his purpose not my purpose not his purpose not your purpose his purpose. So there's this thing that I know, and I hear people complain about, when I serve God, it ain't no different. You are out of your mind. I had somebody tell me one time, I'm not, I, they quit tithing. I quit tithing. I, I don't see any difference. Well, give it a couple of years. Well, we've given it about three years. Now we see the, the death and the curse that's upon their life in their marriage relationship and in their children. I have a definition for something that the Bible calls character. My definition is this. It's the ability of someone and the power of someone to choose. Turn to your neighbor and say choose. Because that's an important word this morning. To choose Yahweh's way over my way. To choose 
true values from false values, to choose right from wrong, and, to, and the will to do the right thing, even if it's against yourself, your fleshly desire, your emotions, or your feelings. You want to be a man of character? That's the definition. Yahweh spoke to me this week, and, and I heard him loud and clear. And he was talking to me about, and, and listen, I, I, God, I, don't, I don't talk to him on the phone. I don't like talking to nobody on the phone pretty much. But, but we weren't talking on the phone or nothing like that. But I know his voice, and I know when he speaks. And he began to tell me about and share with me about this wonderful gift he gave me. We have a big Christmas at our house, you know, and all the family comes over. We have every nation from the world represented pretty much at our family Christmas. Had a guy one time come to church one time, he said, I was a racist and prejudiced. He told a guy that came to church this, I said, listen, give him my family Christmas picture. The only person I would be prejudiced against would be David, who's a damn Yankee. <laughs> but I'm working on that, David. I'm getting you down here, bro. Getting you down here. So in that Christmas time, you know, it's overkill for the kids. You know, they, can't, they, open, they just open packages and open packages and open packages and open packages and throw the toys aside. And, Where's more? And so this past year, after everybody was gone, and I'm sure there were toys thrown in the garbage with the paper and the, gar and the waste, we got, got there, and I, I sat back and relaxed, and I was like the uh, Christmas story guy. I saw a little Red Rider BB gun in the corner. I said, there's, a, there's a guest there. There's a gift there. I went over and got it. It was a gift for me, and I liked it. It's the only one I got. Where was that gift? No, I wasn't the only one. But, and so sometimes you can have a gift and not even be aware of it because the, 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 all the stuff in your life going on, you don't know that there's a gift there. And that gift that, that I, Yahweh spoke to me about, he said, I want to make sure you, you look over there and you make sure that you know what this gift is I have for you and that you are using it properly. Thought it was, but it was just a good reminder. I like to be reminded of things. And that is... God has gifted me with authority. And I title this message today, God Gifted Authority. And what empowers that is that he gave me a supernatural power that he gave you too. Your, your gift may be lost somewhere in the trash and garbage or whatever of the room of the celebration of life and Christmas or whatever. But I'm going to tell you, he gave every man this wonderful, powerful gift and let me tell you what it is, the power to choose. The fact is, we all make choices in our lives every day. However, the choices that we make in our lives every day matter greatly. You know why? Because your choices will affect your destination, or let's call it destiny. Our choices and the decisions we make can either move us closer to our destiny or move us further away from our destiny. Yahweh, from the get-go, has given you the ability and the power and the authority in your life to choose at, with this wonderful gift he gave you. He's given us free will. Isn't that great? The freedom to choose. There's power in the choices that we make. And we have the power to make the choice. I just relished. I've, I've just been rejoicing in this all week. The fact is, we already make choices. We have some type of uh, authority in our lives, and we, um, we make choices every day on how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we feed our mind, and all the other things that we decide. What time are we going to get up? What time are we leaving? What time what we're going to eat for lunch? 
In the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15, this was Joshua's, Joshua's declaration. He said, look, but, for as me, for, but as for me and my house, I'm going to tell you why that's relevant in a minute. But for me and my house, we're going to serve Yahweh. It says the Lord in there, but we know they were hiding Yahweh's name over 7,000 times in the Bible. Moses in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, listen to what he says. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, and I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. What did he do? He set before us life and death, blessing and cursings. I've set it before you so that, and then he says, so now choose what? Life. And listen to what he said. So that you and your children may live. The choices that we make matter because our choices have a significant impact on our lives. Scripture encourages us to make wise choices. The truth of the matter is, the choices that we make in our lives not only affect us, but the choices you make affect everybody around you. Can you agree with that? Especially those that are closest to us, especially like our family, our children, our friends. When you make a choice and you make a decision, what you're doing, you're, you're shaping the kind of life that you're going to have in a good way or in a bad way. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man that leads to destruction. I'm like, okay, uh, choosing, what, what is that? Well, I, I, I make choices. I've learned to not be too hasty or too quick when I'm making the, the uh, important decisions for myself. I think that's something you, you all should, should do. And I think it's important for us to think our choices through I think it's important that you have the support of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the man of God who are able to help you make wise choices. Choices that can help us fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives, that can fulfill our destiny, and that can get us a well done. I mean, what, does anything else really matter? I mean, when it really comes down to it, does anything else really matter but the decisions we make? So we can get a well done that Yahweh is going to make a decision, his decision and choose us. Many are called, he said. But he's only going to choose and he's going to make a solid choice. I think, I think people have this misunderstanding about God. Even the point they don't know what he is. They don't know who he is. They don't know what his name is. Hey, I was there. Brock sitting on the front row. Brock, I told you daddy this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry what I taught them. I was wrong. Please. I went to other men saying, listen, will you please forgive me for what I've done? I, I have taught you wrong. I was misled. And I did that in front of this whole congregation. We don't know God's name. We don't. I mean, I thought he was a, a three-headed monster because somebody just told me that. They know that God planned their existence. And Pete, we knew that he had a purpose for our lives. But we, I think we have the wrong idea, and a lot of people still do, that every detail of our life is pre-planned by God. So it's, our choice don't really matter. We can make this choice and come up to the end result of this or make this choice, and, and it's going to just happen that way. That's not true. Some people think they don't have any choice. I'll tell you what's interesting to me. I love, you know, I love history. and I, Calvinism is, a, is a, in general, they believe in what they call predestination. You know, you're, you're going to heaven and you're not. You're going to heaven and you're not. You're going, I mean, it's kind of like a lottery thing. But God's already predetermined it. And so in the Civil War, that was the predominant belief system of the day, Calvinism. And as I studied 
So the Civil War, I mean, when I was in the third grade, I wrote a letter to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania for a project because I loved the Civil War and I loved all that. And what impressed me the most is these men that I thought were courageous men, generals, Robert E. Lee, General Grant, on both sides of the Civil War. And those guys would get on top of this hill right in the middle of battle, right in the middle of lead flying everywhere, cannons going off, and they'd sit upon that beautiful stallion horse or whatever it was and just be stoic and so courageous and they just sit there charge do this do that now there were plenty of trees around there that they could have got behind there was probably a foxhole down there somewhere or a ditch that they or a rock somewhere to get behind they stood right here like this you know why because they believed that it was all in God's hand and if it was their time to die guess what they believed? they believed that they would die even if they were in the house in their bed with the covers over them it was the will God's will for them to get shot with a bullet they would and if it wasn't God's will they could stand right there in battle see the Bible teaches the exact opposite yeah, absolutely God's got a plan for us and a purpose for us but it's not automatic let me let me say this to you this morning you can miss God's plan let me tell you why because God isn't going to force you to enjoy the plan or accept the plan he has for you he's not going to do it He's not as bad as he wants the, his purpose and what his desire is for humans to take place, that he will be manifested in people and form a God family out of human beings. God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, that him be all and in all, to, uh, to, as bad as he wants it, and as committed as he is to it, and he'll do all kind of stuff for us, we have to make the choice. So he ain't going to force it. He gives us a wonderful, wonderful gift to choose to accept his way or he'll let you reject his way. He gives you a choice. You can either obey his directions and commandments or he'll let you disobey. He gives us the choice to follow or ignore the real purpose of why you were created. I've been doing this a long time and I'll tell you, I've met far too many people who have missed the purpose of their life for one reason. Satan came against them. No. They didn't have a good job. No. They married the wrong person. No. It's because they made a poor choice. Marrying the wrong person definitely can be a poor choice. Amen? But aren't you glad we made the choice to have the right one? That's the first great response I got out of here. You married that wrong person. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know what the Bible says? No, I better not say that. I already got people mad at me already. Repeatedly. The Bible says that God ain't going to force you to do nothing. I wish he would. I wish he'd take me and just push my face in it. I wish he'd just take me and just tie me up and hog tie me and drag me there. I wish he would. Some of the stupid things I've done. When Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the desert. Listen, they've been in, the, in captivity and in slavery for over 400 years. Guess why they stayed so long in the wilderness? It's because they had a stupid slave mentality. And Yahweh was trying to get that out of them because they continually had the ability and the power of that slave mentality to keep making poor choices, wrong choices. Oh, we're going to build an idol. Bad choice. Oh, we're going to do this. Bad choice. So he had to change their mindset. He told them, look, there's a land of milk and honey, a land of great bountiful blessing. I, I, it's promised to you. It's going to be different from all those years of slavery. But before they went into the promised land, let me tell you what God said. And I want you to take this personal to yourself today. 
I have. Before they went in there, Yahweh, speaking through Moses, said to the people the same thing he's saying to us today. Today, I'm giving you a choice. I'm giving you the choice. You can choose life and success, or you can choose death and disaster. I'm commanding you to be loyal to Yahweh, to live the way he told you. I'm quoting a reading Deuteronomy 30, 15, and 16. I am commanding you to be loyal to Yahweh, to live the way he has to, told you, and to, debate, and to obey his laws and teachings. You're about to cross the river Jordan and take the land that he's giving to you. If you obey him, you will live and become successful and powerful. Yeah. Don't be mistaken. I want to become successful and powerful, but not in this life. I'm not, I'm not concerned about being successful and empowered in this life. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what, one of the worst things that I had to get delivered, get delivered from was called ambition. And that don't mean I don't want, get, need enough money to live or I don't want to have a nice house or not. I'm not talking about any of that. So this is what Yahweh was doing. He said, look, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to give you the choice. Pick the one you want. You want the land of Sodom and Gomorrah? Or do you want the barren land where there's nothing that became a lush garden? I'll tell you what Yahweh wanted. He wanted his people to enjoy the bounty of that promised land that he had before him. But I can't make you do it. I got it all set up for you. It's beautiful, but I can't, I can't make you. He didn't make them accept it. Oh, you're going to. I remember that's my daddy said. Oh, you're going to eat that. And if you don't, you won't get anything else to eat until you eat that. I've, I've never had so many hard English peas in my life. I can't tell you right now. My daddy had that sitting. I'd be coming in, you know, go get a shower or bath or whatever they made me do and i'd want a snack you can tell us snail grows like we didn't believe in going to bed hungry and i want to tell you this we had cookies and milk and cereal and i mean we have jethro bodine type cereal i'm talking about huh yeah, I love my milk and cookies man we had a thing this big and a gallon of milk and a whole pack of oreos ain't nothing for me to eat a whole pack of double stuffs can i tell you a story right quick before i get up when 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 veronica and linda adopted they came and they grew and they got older and veronica did something that disturbed me one night went to the kitchen and in the sink was a pile of the double stuffed cream all by itself my god man i said this is satan herself she ate the cookie left the cream i got mad until i said wait a minute <laughs> you know what i did honey you want the cookies all this God has something for us, and he wants something for us. My daddy made me eat those peas. Before I had anything, before I went to bed, my daddy said, okay, the English peas are right there. You've got to finish those right there. They were shriveled up English peas. He made me do it. I always said, no, I'm going to give you the choice. This is the, this is the picture of overcoming and the invitation that Yahweh has given to, to humans of coming out of slavery to sin into freedom in Christ. And he ain't going to make you quit sinning. I wish he would. I try to make my sons quit sinning. I try to make my daughters quit sinning. You can't beat it out of them. If a kid's going to sin, that don't mean you don't need to beat them. I'll tell you, let's do it anyhow, but I think. But well, come on, it's Thursday. Just get in there. In order to enjoy life in the promised land, the Israelites had to do one thing. They had to make the right choice. They had to choose to do it God's way and to obey God. Guess what? You too. You too 
have to choose whether you're going to accept to do it God's way and the good thing he's planned for you or not. If you don't want to, okay. God ain't worrying his head off about it. You have to choose it. Let me tell you what. God could have made us a bunch of puppets. Or I like, I like to, my analogy is a, a dog with a shock collar. You know what a dog with a shock collar is? They don't do what you say. Ain't mash the button. Y'all, we could do that to you. See, that's why people think, well, he's, they're living in sin and they're blessed. Well, dummy, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The same rain that falls on the wheat falls on the tares too. You can just grow and be blessed and all that with the rain of God and be a tear. But no fruit. And people get so confused because, well, I, God didn't stop me yet. He didn't put the shock collar on you. He gives you the ability to choose. If you choose poorly, guess that choice will be your greatest curse. Trust me. I'm not trying to scare you. Obviously, you can realize I'm not trying to kiss nobody's butt here. I care about you. I'm trying to warn you. It, will, it is inevitable. The wages of sin is going to be death. And even if things good while you're living, when you stand before Yahshua, it's going it's to be the worst day of your life. I'm trying to scare you. It's just... What sin is, it's all that stuff that ain't good for you. If you choose wisely, though, it'll be the smartest thing and the greatest blessing to you that you'll ever do. Now, today, how do you know today, Johnny? Well, number one, you're here. I think when somebody crosses my path, it's, there's something divine about it. Because there ain't many, you ain't gonna, there ain't many people that are going to teach you and preach to you what I, do, I know. So here, you, people have a choice you're joined to me. You have a choice. We, we have a choice. I have a choice today because I'm still here and I'm still alive and I can still make a choice. Johnny, you want to choose between life, choosing his will and his path, or are you going to choose death? My question to us today, not just for today, but for the rest of our lives, every time my will crosses God's will, that's the cross you have to take up daily and you choose his way. What path are you going to choose? Huh? What path will you choose? I tell you what I believe, and I'm, I say this in all humility. Some people are going to stand before Yahshua on that day, and they're going to get a picture of me, a vision, and it's going to be right in their face, and they're going to be remembering me say, please, 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 please. But they've made a decision that they regret. Now let me talk about something, this, because there's some choices that are beyond your control. True? What about those? These are choices that life have made for us, our parents maybe have made those choices for us. The choice of what race we are. The choice of what gender we are. The choice of where you were born. What culture. And these are things that are beyond your control and they're my under, beyond my control. The problems that we have in our life that are eternal and some others too. But the problems we have in our life don't stem primarily from the choices that life and our parents have made for us. Our problems don't really stem from the fact that I'm a man and you're a woman. I'm white. You're black. I'm tall. You must be a midget. <laughs> short. A little person, I forgot. I'm short. You're tall. You're beautiful. He's ugly. And these are the kind of things that people, I believe, Consciously and subconsciously used as scapegoats to make their choice, their self-pity choice. You know, poor me, I'm going to do I'm just going to do this. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to do what's bad for me. That's just your flesh whining for a bottle, whining for a pacifier. 
I know people, and I've dealt with them, that they blame their misfortunes in life on their parents. Mom, Daddy, and now what do I always say? The expiration date on blaming your parents has expired. You're grown now. I'm sure they had their own problems with their parents. And people blame it on God. That's convenient, but a bad choice. Why? Well, I was born here. I was born. I was born poor. I was born uh, of a certain race or nationality or in a certain geographical place. I want to tell you what I heard a man, a young black man one time on, uh, I can't even remember what it was on, but this is what he was asked. He said, you do not have a rich background that accounts for your success, do you? So the person was asking him and saying, hey, you know, he's a successful guy, young guy, black guy. And she said, you don't have a rich background. You wasn't raised in, in wealth. That accounts for your success, do you? And this is what that guy said. Listen to this. It's not what you have in your pocket that matters, but it's what you got in your head. And I would add, and heart. It ain't what you got in your pocket. It's the power of choice within your control, within my control, that is more important than the ones that are beyond our control. Did you hear me? It's the power of choice that is within my control, within your control, that's more important than the ones that are beyond our control. I can't help that I was born so good looking. I can't help it that I was born the way I am. I can't help that I was this. I can't help that I was that. That was out of my control. And that's not as important, though, as things I can control now. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Failure of success in life is dictated by the power of choice that's within our control and not the ones beyond our control. I want to tell you, people are wallowing in all the stuff that's beyond their control and they will never go anywhere. I say let's focus on what we can control. And God has gifted you with the authority and the power to choose. That's powerful right there, bro. The source of our, the problems we may have lies principally in the choices we make ourselves or fail to make. You want to know what your problem is? That, ain't your, that your mama was bad. And that's not, I, don't, I respect that. I know that. I know people that had all kind of issues and all kind of, I mean, psychological problems and all that. I understand all that. You can't be, you can't be focusing on that stuff because you'll stay in prison the rest of your life. And you'll make bad choices out of the hurt and the pain that you choose to focus on and wallow in. Can't change that. Focus on what you can choose change. It's the problems are principally in the choices we make or we fail to make. Here you go. I think this is an easy word today. I don't have to prove anything to anybody about the Trinity or God's name or all of those kind of things. But, and because they reject those kind of things. But I'm going to ask us today. In this house, what are you going? Are you going to reject this? Are you going to reject this word? Just like people are rejecting the word when I talk about, you know, Trinity and all this other stuff, Satan, the devil, hell, heaven. I mean, oh, what are we going to do with this word? And it's just an exhortation. And what is of greater importance is how we choose, when we choose, and what we choose, not what we can't choose. I really want—I want to make sure we get this this morning. And you know, my little dash is medium. This is what God does. Here's God. You want to hear something about God? I'm going to teach something about God. God sets before you. You say, here, I'm giving you, I'm setting this before you. Sweet or unsweet? Caffeinated or decaffeinated? My wife makes fun of me. I told her to get me some cane syrup. You can't hardly get it no more. 
And she laughs at me because I put cane syrup on keto bread. <laughs> Halfway there. Halfway there. So Johnny died, hallelujah. He says, here it is. And you choose it every day. Every time, every time you go to a restaurant, you look on that menu, you make a choice. Some of you shouldn't make some of those ice cream choices. Some of you shouldn't. You, don't, you, you get my point. Life or death, well, that's not something that's very hard for me to decide which one to choose. I'll tell you what, y'all may think I look stupid, but I ain't stupid as I look. Hey, Johnny, you want poison or not poison? <laughs> I'm going to take the not poison. I'm going to take unpoison. Johnny, you want to live or you want to die? Oh, I think that's going to be an easy decision for me. Why is that such a hard decision? I want to live. Anybody else would you want to choose live over die? Unpoison over poison? Hello. Are y'all there? This is simple. No Greek or Hebrew. Johnny, I'm going to give you blessings or curses. What do you want? <laughs> it's not really hard for me to choose that. I say, oh, let's see. Oh, man, Joel. I mean, can I call a friend? Can I use it? Can I call a friend? Can I ask the audience? Do I want blessing or do I want curses in my life? Simple for me. Is that simple for you? No, it's not. Maybe not. It's nearly, but... And then he says those things, and then he even gives us the hint. Don't choose the poison. It's bad for you. Okay. Mm. I'll take the poison then. No. <laughs> Don't take this. And he, after he says all those things, he says, blessing, cursing, life, and death. And then he says this with this hint. Listen to this. In case we're too dumb to figure it out, he says, listen, choose life, Johnny. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Uh Okay. And then he throws this in, and this is why I brought the family in later, that you and your descendants may live forever. Do you hear me? The choices you make is going to affect those around you. Why did God give us free choice? I think it was a risky thing. I've had four kids get driver's license. Okay. Here's the keys. That's risky. It's risky. Okay, honey, here's a credit card. Now, so that's very risky. Whenever he decided to give man free choice, but he don't want robots that have no choice, but he wants people to do what he wants them to do. He wants people that choose of their own free will to love him, to be obedient to him, and to live their life for him. He wants people who are not so dumb that they're going to choose to hurt themselves because he loves you and he don't want to see you hurt. Choice is a great benefit. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift. And what it is, is God's going to respect us and say, hey, I'm going to put your destiny in your hands. Here it is. It's up to you. All right, wow. This gift of choice gives us power, and it gives us authority. It's the true authority of the believer. Now, you remember, I've been around a long time, and I remember back in the 70s with Kenneth Hagin was around, and I've been to meetings with him and, and stuff and, and uh, set, up, set with him, and, and I've been with uh, 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 the faith movement that came around, and they all, all those guys had a, a booklet called The Authority of the Believer. Remember it, Joel? If you don't have the power in yourself to stop a car, but if you have the policeman's suit on, you can do that. And that's what the Word gives you. And they, did, they went through all that. And so, you know, some people, Pentecostals, told me the power was in speaking in tongues. And I speak in tongues and pray in tongues still. I don't think it's something that we should ever stop. But I know how to pray in, in understanding now. So I, it ain't that I have to pray in the Spirit. But sometimes I just do it because I've never ever been in a place of discouragement that when I go and start praying in the spirit it didn't 
build myself up on my most holy faith. People always down depressed and all. I said, man, I know you ain't been praying in the spirit. And it do, it don't, you don't have to be intelligent to do that. You don't have to know much. You just have to pray in the spirit. But I found out something. That the real power and authority in my life that God gifted me with is the power over the real enemy, over the true Satan, the true devil, the power to overcome and subdue what? The sin nature. He gave me the power to say no to the sin nature and yes to him. Hallelujah. That's the greatest power he ever gave me. I can look. I can say, no, no, Johnny, you're not doing that. I'll tell you what. I've been in moments in my life over the years, and I'll be tempted by something, and this is what the first thing I say to myself. Are you really, really going to sell the anointing of God on your life for a bowl of porridge? Are you really, like Esau did, are you really, is, is this going to, Fulfill you enough, to, enough to, that you're willing to let it steal your anointing from you? And I would make it personal. I would make it, pro hey, hey, you ain't taking my anointing from me. You're not going to take my relationship with God from me, Johnny. Because that's who I was really talking to. Let me tell you what, I like that. I like that I have the power to overcome and subdue my sin nature. I like that I can boss my sin man around. And say, hey, shut up. Hey, sit down and be quiet. Hey, you need to choose to love that person. Yahweh chose to love you. And because, see, people don't want to choose to love people. They only want to choose to love the people that they want to love. I, I'm going to tell you a scripture I like. You don't hear a scripture I like? You reap what you sow. Now, you know what? When I first learned about that word. Or books, y'all need some straws. I ain't lying to you. Right now. If you don't get any more straws, I'm not going to let you be my sponsor anymore. I learned that as a, as a negative. You reap what you sow. How do you do it? You reap what you sow. <laughs> I'm scared. So some of y'all need to pray for crop failure. But to me, it's become a positive. Because I feel like that that scripture allows me and gives me authority. And that power of that beautiful gift of choice. That beautiful gift of power that I can have authority over what's going to happen in my life. Listen, you reap what you sow. Okay, what do I do? I reap good. Because why? Because I'm going to sow. I choose, I choose to reap, to sow good so that I can reap good. And I don't choose to sow bad because I don't want to regret but my future. So that became, oh, I like it. I like that verse. It gives me the power and the authority over what's going to happen in my life. One of the things that I want to make sure that uh, we realize today is this. Free choice gives us authority. The true authority of the believer. The true power. It is power. The power to choose is powerful. It is God power. But we got to remember this. Authority always comes with responsibility. And I think that sometimes maybe we don't think about that. It's so wonderful to be able to choose what I'm going to do. But i got to remember, you know, hey, I can do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. God don't, God's going to let you do whatever you want to do. And you may just have a pleasant life or whatever until you die, but that, it, none of that's going to matter. It's so wonderful for me to be able and us to be able to choose. What a free gift. But there's a consequence to every decision that we make. There's a problem. It may be a great, wonderful consequence. But if we make the wrong choice that God's given us the power to do, then it's never, ever a very good 
consequence. And I got to tell you, I've never seen, uh, I mean, the fact is today, I don't think people are really fond of taking responsibility. Amen. I didn't do it. Ain't my fault. It's his fault, her fault, their fault, his fault, the government's fault, my mama's fault, God's fault, the past. We've already covered that. I remember the time when being responsible was considered an honorable thing. Oh, I'll take, I did it. I take responsibility for that. It was a beautiful, honorable a thing of integrity and character, like I read the definition in the beginning. Even at their hurt, harm, and loss. But it seems like today there's a lot of people who avoid responsibility. Responsibility of how their lives were going to affect their children and their children and families. That's, that's why he said, like, I'm giving you a hint. Choose life or death. I'm going to give you a hint. Choose life. Choose life. So your children and you can live forever. The problem is we can't do that with the things of God. We can't avoid responsibility. You know, uh, when I was a young man, there was a, the pastor's son name was Jim. We built a gym at our church, and he told me that it was named after him. I said, okay, Jim, I'm going to name, uh, uh, everybody calls the bathroom John, so I'm going to name my bathroom John, so I do go to the gym at least, well, never mind. And so if you exercise regularly and you're working out at the gym, they got them around here or you walk regularly, or whatever it is, you're going to reap the benefits of that physical exercise, and you're going to have good consequences from that choice. So I see these people, you know, and I see these guys that, man, they, they got these big packs, and, you know, and they got these big uh, six-packs, and, you know, I know guys that got, they got a keg, but they ain't got no six-pack, and, I, and I, know these, I mean, these guys are built, and you know, you, you touch their, their biceps and it's, man, it's like a big softball or something. And, and, you know, people like, man, man, it's so great. I wish I could be like that or look like that. Or, man, you're so strong. I wish I could be strong. Well, the people that are strong didn't get that by wishing for it. Hello? They did it by what? Making the right. Thank you. I'm getting across to you. Thank you, Yahweh. And I'm hurrying now. Just for that, I'm going to hurry faster. Wisdom, listen to me, wisdom is choosing to do right now what you will be satisfied with later on. Wisdom is making the right choice today that you're going to be satisfied with later on. Now, when we're emotionally immature, which I've taught on that, I don't know if it's this year or the end of last year, we live by emotion. Emotion does this. It, it, we do what feels good or right at the moment we let our emotions make these choices and decisions but then later on most of the time 99.9 percent .9 of the time when we make emotion, emotional choices now we're sorry in the future that we ever made them it's called regret to be a wise person means that you do now even if it's hard what's going to be you will be satisfied with later on in your life and there's a lot of things that you have to be, that, that are hard to do. But you have to choose life, not death. That's a simple choice. Choose blessing or cursing. You don't have to think about it. Tithing, gathering together with the body, forgiving, loving, all of which are choices that I promise you, you will never be sorry that you made. Because when you stand before God and he says, well done to you, that's all that's going to matter. You may think because you're emotional now and all that, you know, that it's going to matter, that it will matter then, but it won't. Joshua 24, 15, he said a wise thing. This is what he said. And that was one of the first verses I read, part of. 
But if serving the Lord, which is Yahweh, seems undesirable to you, you don't like serving God, you don't like, you you think it's too hard or whatever it may be, undesirable, then choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the God of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites. Now, if you remember when I taught you the five enemies, Perizzites, Amorites, Canaanites, those five. The word Amorite means prominence, high society, haughty, pride. And remember, God hates a proud look. Is that a proud look? I can't tell. I don't have a mirror. If I had a mirror, I could get one. Or are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living? But as for me and my house, I'm making a choice that I'm going to make today, and that choice is going to be something that I won't regret in my future. If me and my house, we're going to serve Yahweh. I love that. You know what I love about it? Because I, say I, me, I, me, can decide my outcome. He said, here, you can do it this way and that way. What, what, what do you want, Johnny? You want the sweet or the unsweet? You want the cane syrup or the keto bread? <laughs> I'll take both. I love that. I love that Yahweh has given me the greatest gift ever and the power and the authority to choose my destiny. I can choose it. Let me ask you a question. Are you just doing what your friends do because you'll be included in the group? Is that the kind of person you are? Are you, are you serving or are you serving Yahweh whether anybody else does or not? I got to tell you, years ago, I've told you this story probably a million times. Years ago, as a young man, I was 20. A guy named Ralph Duncan was in a conference, a preacher's conference, and he called me out and he said, and he prophesied this to me the eagle flies alone, the lion hunts alone. And the man of God stands alone. I was 20 years old. Okay, I was waiting. Okay, now what does that mean? And he, and he just talked chit-chat with me after that. He didn't explain to me, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And then, over the years, I found out, not that I have to be alone, because I have people who I love deeply and who love me deeply, people who I'm committed to and they're committed to. I've never been alone in that sense, but it has to do with an attitude. That you have to be willing to stand alone if it means doing the right thing and making the right choice. You would not know the true path to inter- eternal life if I was anything other than that. Probably. You might. I say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm making a choice to believe God and do the right thing. So many people let what other people think of them and say about them and do or don't do determine the decisions for their life. I say it's time for us to cut that crap out. We shouldn't give a crap. And I'm being nice this morning because we have visitors. I'm sure Brock don't care if I use the other word, do you? If you wouldn't hear, I'd say it. <laughs> cut that out. You trying to, oh, uh, oh, I don't know if I should tell them. Uh, if I tell them about that. Oh, Tell you what, they may think you're stupid now, but one day they're going to feel, they're going to understand you made the right choice. You don't be ashamed of this gospel. Don't you be ashamed of it, man. You don't be ashamed of it. And don't let a bunch of losing weenies, that's another word I've substituted this morning, keep you from making the right choice. I've told you, I ain't a Mormon. I'm not going to be married. Throughout eternity. I love that woman. And she pretty much, you know, can convince me to do almost anything. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to obey God. And if she don't, that's her problem. Because I'll be standing before God. And, and she won't be with me. And I'm not going to be with her. And we know that. 
My children aren't going to be there with me. I'll be all by myself. I'm not going to give away my eternal reward and my purpose for being born if she don't want to do it or if they don't want to do it or if the whole world is against what I'm preaching. I don't care. I've chosen life. It's really very foolish because when it all comes down to it, listen to me, you and you alone are going to bear the consequences of your decision. I want to tell you, people today probably ain't going to hang with you when you, when you have to, consequences to pay now. You, when it all comes down to it, it's just going to be me. It's going to be you. I'm the one that's going to answer for the consequences of what choice I've made. I want to tell you what, I've made my choice, and I ain't turning back. I've made my choice. Have you? Are, have we made our choice? Don't let any other people make your choices for you. Hello? Nobody, baby. You ain't, you ain't choosing for me. Your mama, your daddy, your siblings, your friends, and especially you, your flesh. Nobody. I wouldn't be here today if I wasn't willing to stand alone. I'm not boasting in that, but I want to tell you, I, that's just smart. That's wisdom. That's I gave you the definition of. Maybe, maybe when we come to, you know, standing alone, it doesn't mean that we don't seek advice from people. But you got to be very careful with that. If you need a word of advice, and so you go to a couple of people and you ask them what they do, even then you have to be very careful who you seek counsel from. I'm going to tell you why. Because people will okay a wrong choice to justify their making a wrong choice. I'm going to give you a good example of this. Golf is a liar's game. I thought it was a gentleman's game. No. And there ain't more lying going on up in golf. Golf will uncover you if you're self-deceptive or not. <laughs> How do you know, Johnny? Because I had to say before. Now, is this par worth getting the hand of, the, the hand of God off of my life? <laughs> am I going to lie about this to get that? There I am. <laughs> Nobody's looking. Golf can reveal if you care about what God thinks less than what others may think what kind of golfer you are. I mean, the guys I play golf with, man, they, they can't see, they can't hear, they, they can hardly walk, you know. They don't, they don't know what my score is anyhow. They don't care. They don't care what my score is. And at the best, if I'm on the front first, the team that comes in first, the most you get is $15. Am I going to take and, and jeopardize the blessing of God off of me for $15? I think not. I played with me the other day. We set the record, didn't we, Bob? Plus 41. It's never been done. I said, I don't want to go back to the clubhouse and show them this. They're going to think I'm a liar. It's just, it's the number's so big and so crazy. They're going to think I am a liar. I told him, I said, y'all just take this in there. I'm going home. But then I thought about it being 41. I'm like, no, I want to see their face. And so when they started rolling their eyes, uh, oh, I said, okay, I got, I got number one. You think that I'm going to jeopardize the blessing of God off of me? For a stupid golf game, then you're out of your beep mind. You're crazy. Number two, Don Burns was playing with us, and you know he's like the, the Gestapo. He makes you put everything. They said, Well, you're right, you're right. Plus 41. It goes into the books of all time, Bob. Even the term for where the ball, when you hit a ball, where it comes to a stop, you know what it's called? A lie. <laughs> I swear. It's it, it, Connie. Say, where's your ball? Move it over here got a good lie true a bad lie or good lie a lot of bad lies see these guys will that i'm talking about that you get counsel from 
They'll give you a putt. I mean, it'd be like an eight-foot putt. That's good, man. You know why they do it? Because they're sowing. They're sowing. Because they think if they, they give me an eight-foot putt, <laughs> I, they think I was like, oh, uh -uh, no, you gave that to me. I'm, I'm, I don't play that. And sometimes when you go to people who won't give you true, honest counsel, what they're going to do, they'll give you the eight-foot putt because they want to be able to not feel guilty about them taking it. Y'all hear me? This is good golf preaching right here. I say if, if that's where we're at, we've got to lie to ourselves about some stupid golf course. Well, I say we've got nowhere. Okay, that's golf. What's your golf? What's your thing that you maybe negotiate? Okay, look, even if you get counsel you should rem from anybody, you should remember this. It's the bottom line. Who's giving you counsel isn't going to be the one who, whose final choice is going to give you consequences. They're not going to suffer any consequences from the choice that they counsel you about. Let me say it again. You and you alone are going to bear the consequences of what you choose. Now, I don't know if you notice or not, but a lot of people like to give a lot of advice, and everybody's got an opinion. Hello? Huh? I told people, I said, uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I have an opinion. I'm going to give it. I don't care if it does stink. <laughs> you all know this story. The fact is, your life belongs to Yahweh. And you need to ju not just do what you want and make a decision for what you want, but what you know Yahweh would want you to do in every situation. Some people will control you if you let them. But guess what? You have just as much responsibility to not let them control you as you do, I mean, excuse me, as they have to not try to control you. Bro, you shouldn't try to control me. Well, you have as much, much responsibility to tell him, you're not going to control me. Because i got to make a choice here that I'm going to be there and do the right thing. I've had people tell me, you know, that I'm out of control. I said, no, I'm, I'm not out of control. I'm out of your control. When I preach the gospel, I preach. They just go nuts. <laughs> they jump on my Facebook page and just, oh, my God, Robert, and say a bunch of nothing. I don't jump on their Facebook page. But I do enjoy them doing it. If you, don't want, if you don't do what I want, then we're not going to be friends. Because people want you to make choices. They want you to give them a putt too. You see what I'm saying? Or they, you're just not going to be in the group anymore. Or, of course, they give you the old cold shoulder. You don't know Will Thompson, don't you? He got a brand new video out. You should go and look at it. It's real funny. It's making fun of country music. It's really a good one. But Will Thompson and I became friends. And he resigned and left the church that he was a part of. And when he did, you know, he, he and I were friends. We remained friends. I love the guy. And I think he's a great guy. I think he's authentic. I think he's sincere. Loves Yahweh. Loves us. Loves, you know. And I had one of the guys that was affiliated with that church who approached me and told me that he thought I shouldn't have fellowship with Will. I said, why? See, just because you hate somebody don't mean I'm going to. You hear me? So I said, uh, why? And I just, he, it's not good. It's not good. Why? Tell me. God, if it's that bad, please, if you love me, tell me why, why. You just, I'm just, trust me. I don't. All I did, thought we were friends. I'm going to tell you what. Because I chose to love Will Thompson. I hadn't talked to that man in eight years. Nothing to do with me. You know what I said? Okay. I didn't like the prosecutor in that case. He's, okay. You need to stand firm and do what God wants you to do. Don't let somebody control you. And if they want to leave your life, I'm going to tell you what. It's their loss. All right, I'm, I've just got that much more. Make choices now that you're not going to regret later. You're not going to get away with it, man. Come on, just go. Come on, just make, make the right choice. Stop doing it. 
So, of course, I want to know what regret meant. You know, really, I mean, I think I use the word all the time. Make a choice that, choices that you're not going to regret. This is what regret means. It means to feel sorry for, to be disappointed or distressed about, to feel grief over, to mourn a sense of loss for something that's gone, distress over an action taken or not taken. And you know what? I want to tell you, I think that's prevalent in our society. People are mourning and grieving and distressing and have a sense of loss. And the root of it down deep inside of us is from an action that we regret. This stupid thing we did. Like what? Uh, I wish I'd never married him or them. I wish I'd have never, I wish I'd have made this missed opportunity here. I wish I'd have bought that. Or I wish I'd have said that. Or I wish. We have this from what choices we make. And we regret those choices, if they, especially if they are bad choices, and we live in the land of regret. It's a wrong decision. We have that regret because we haven't made the decisions that we knew we should have made, or even decisions that we wanted to make, and we didn't. How often do we know what we should do, and we're headed in the right direction? i got to tell you, I've had, I've had to deal with this as I was a younger man. Somebody criticizes my decision. When I first started this church years ago. I came back. There was two other guys. I said, man, I got to tell you, two pastors. And I said, I got I, I to tell you something. And, uh, and uh, he said, we got to tell you something too. I said, well, go ahead. They said, we're going to start a church. I'm like, well, dang, that's my, that was what I was going to say. He said, what are you going to say? I said, uh, I think I'm going to start a church too. And this is what he said. Well, go ahead. Go ahead and try. And when it fails, you can just come over and join us. Their church lasted six months. This is our 40th year to the king, right? And criticize my decision. I knew if anybody was going to pay the penalty of it and have regret it, be me. I have not regretted one day. You hear me? I've done some stupid stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's things I've done wrong, but I haven't regretted the decision. So, so you decide to do what they think you should do instead of what God wants me to do. I'm urging us today by the power and spirit of this wonderful authority that he's given to us. Be a God pleaser and don't be no people pleaser. You know, the apostle Paul said something powerful in Galatians 1.10. And I think about it. This is what he said. He said, and I now, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? What are you doing? What am I doing? Who am I trying to kiss up to? Or I'm trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not now be a servant of Christ. No, I got proof. Paul had proof he didn't try to please nobody. He did it to the, his own detriment. And the Amplified Translation says this, If I were trying to be popular with people, I would not be a servant of Christ. All right. What time is it? I don't know if it's a short one or not. It might have been short or long, but I want to tell you why I got you here. I want to speak into your lives. And I want to encourage us. And the word that I said, I didn't teach it. I exhort to you today and to us. What? We have the power. Choose. And that's what you got to do. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift and empowerment by God. But he says, okay, here it is. What you going to do, Johnny? What, what, who, what you going to choose? I choose life. What are you going to choose today? Bow your heads, please. Thank you, Chris. I just pray you leave here because I don't want you to live a life of choices that you make that you're going to regret down the road. That you're going to regret and say, man, I wish, I'd have, I wish I hadn't have been just so emotional at that time, you know, immature, and I made decisions. I should have listened to the counsel of the man of God in my life and the Spirit of God and the Word of God that's in the house. You know, I just, I, and I know we're in this place in the world and we're fighting tooth and nail, but we can't be, we can't become like the 
people who, who, are, uh, who have the land that we are now living in. We can't become like the world. We're not of the world. You can't be of the world. You can't choose the way of the world. But